0: to be to his hypercritical mother. Anybody have, ever had a hypercritical mother? I, I did. <laughs> wanted to introduce his bride to be and, and uh, in order to get an unbiased opinion he invited three other female friends as well and he didn't tell his mom which one that he intended to marry and after the four women left he asked his mom, can, can you guess which one it is That I want to marry, and she said the one with the short hair, and he said, oh my gosh, how in the world could you possibly have known that, and she said, because she's the only one I didn't like. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, welcome to Mama's Day at Church on the Trail. Raise your hand if you feel like uh, your mama was perfect. Wow, I hope they're not watching, or I hope they're not here. Sometimes we do, y'all. And she's sitting next to you, bro. <laughs> Today, though, I want to talk about a really good mama, maybe even a great mama. We find this mama in the book of Ruth, and it's not Ruth that I'm talking about. It is Naomi, and and if we look at Naomi's, uh, we look at Naomi's life. We're going to see uh, an incredible strength, inner strength in Naomi, and we're going to see an, an, a really passionate and and committed, deep love that she has, a deep love for for her children. And then we're going to see how God's sovereignty plays into the love and the compassion and the care and the concern that godly women have because God will use all of that. And so we're going to talk about that down at the end for a minute. You know, mamas are, are special folks, special people. Lots of us really do think that mama was perfect. George Washington said of his mother, he said, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, the intellectual and the physical education that I received from her. The Bible even presents godly women and godly mothers as being pretty close to perfect. You see this in, um, in Proverbs 31, this description of a godly woman, of a godly mother. And Proverbs 31 says that strength and dignity are her clothing. Says she laughs at the time to come. Goes on and says that her children will rise up and and call her blessed and her husband will bring praises to her. Says when she speaks, her words are wise and that she is always kind. Stevie Wonder, the theologian, said, Mama was my greatest teacher. He said, a teacher of compassion and love and fearlessness. He said, compassion and love and fearlessness. He said, if love is as sweet as a flower, then my mom is that sweet flower of love. So, y'all, let's talk about Naomi. I want you to look at Ruth chapter 1. And if you don't have one of these, raise your hand. We want to get one in your hand, and you'll find some message notes in there. But first thing is, and I said it a minute ago, is that mothers had this amazing strength, this amazing inner strength. So let's look at verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Food was in short supply. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Maybe he heard there was food in Moab, but Moab and Israel and Moab always had this weird relationship. Moab was a pagan place and they would be at war with Israel and then there'd be peace and then they'd be at war and there would be peace. So at this time there must be relative peace because this man from Bethlehem in in Judah went to Moab. He and his wife and his two sons and his name was Elimelech and his wife's name was Naomi and his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah and they went to the country of Moab, and they remained there. We don't really know how long, but we know it was at least 10 years. Verse 3 says, But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These two sons took Moabite wives, and the name of one of them was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malan and Kilian died, so that the woman was left without her sons and her husband. So in these verses, we're introduced to this very special mother named Naomi. She had a husband named Elimelech, two sons, Malan and Killian. They moved to a, a land where we, we would presume that food was plentiful. They lived there for a number of years. But then tragedy strikes, jumps in and interrupted her life. Anybody ever had tragedy jump in and interrupt your life? No doubt. Naomi's husband dies. We don't really know how or why, but for some reason... He died, and she and her two sons are left alone to fend for themselves. Lots of mamas through the years have been left with children to fend for themselves. I can't imagine the the, the pain, the hurt, the heartache that she felt. I don't know what that would have been like, or the bewilderment of not knowing how she and her and her sons were going to survive. The loss of her husband was the loss of a close friend, and it was the loss of the one that provided for their for their family. And I know that there are women here today or watching online today or watching online next week who have who have experienced the loss of a husband and you can or, or kids. And you can probably identify with that pain, but it's so weird y'all that scripture doesn't mention one word about Naomi grieving. Not a word. Surely she did. But Scripture doesn't say anything. The evidence uh, that the Bible gives us is that she just went on with life. Strong lady, just went on with life. Raising her sons best way she knew how. Raising her sons until uh, until they were able to take care of wives of their own. Tragedy strikes again in verse 5. The death of both those boys. Can't imagine the death of a child. So Naomi now is left again with nobody to provide, and she had two daughters-in-law. I never knew, is it daughters-in-law or daughter-in-laws? Daughters-in-law, thank you. She's left with those to care for. Does the law say that she needs to take care? Are they blood-related? No. The law didn't say that she had to, but this is her concern. This is the DNA of of a godly mama. So she's got these two daughters-in-law that she feels burdened to, to take care of. So if you think about it, just when Naomi thought that her her purpose in life was nearly served, she had to start all over from scratch. Again, she had to provide and care for others, namely those two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. She had to play the part of a strong woman. She had to be strong for those two young ladies. Naomi is a model of a mama's strength. Even in this account, the text doesn't give us really any indication that, that, that she showed any grief for the two sons. Again, surely she did, but the Bible doesn't tell us that. It only reveals that she bore the pain, she internalized the pain, and she went on with life doing what she felt and knew that she had to do. And you all we see that kind of strength in mamas all the time. We see it all the time. Divorce rate in the United States is 45, 50 percent. See a bunch of deadbeat dads avoiding their responsibility, leaving single moms to 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 the with the brunt of raising a family. Mamas who may have a may be married, may have a husband, he may be working all the time. She got 17 children at home, and she's trying to do all of that by herself. Mamas are strong. Mamas are strong. Tons of single moms that That I don't know, dad hit the road for whatever reason. I don't know, maybe he hit the road before the baby was born. Maybe maybe he just couldn't handle it anymore and and he left. Whichever way it happens, y'all, my point is it happens a lot. And you may be the child of a single mom. And you may be a mom today, but you were the child of a single mom and you didn't realize what it was all about until you have a child. And you realize, oh my gosh, my mom was so strong. Or you may, you may have grown up in a house where your parents were married and they stayed married for 50, 60 years. And you didn't realize how strong mama was until you had your own child. The days are long, are they not? But the years, brother, I'm telling you, you're going to blink your eyes and that kid's going to be 25, 30 years old. So a mother's strength is it is a, it is, it is a mystery. Rudyard Kipling, a writer, said, God, and this is not theologically correct, so if you go tell somebody I said it, I'll deny it. But Rudyard Kipling said this. He said, God couldn't be everywhere, therefore he created mamas. Because I don't even understand it. I was, was going to say in the back of their head, but they're really all the way around their head. You know, I'd be doing something growing up. My mom would just take a shoe off and sling it across the room, and I'm like, "How?" She'd be in another room. You talk about baby bottle boomerang. How about mama's shoe boomerang? It'd go around corners and pop me up in the head. Y'all, mamas are strong. Mamas are strong. You got so um, Naomi, amazingly strong woman. This inner strength that is just second to none. Number one, that inner strength. Number two thing that we see in here is the, the amazing concern that mamas have for their children. We see a mother's concern for her children. Look at verse 6. It says, Then she arose with it, she, Naomi, arose with her daughters in law to return to the country, uh, from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So the famine in Judah apparently uh, the Lord provided, and there was food again. So she set out from the place where she was where she was uh, with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return, each of you to her, her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Naomi is Really, she's given a blessing. The the language is the language of blessing. And you'll see this in this sentence and then the next one. So Naomi's telling them, it's okay, go to your family. Verse 9 says, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept, and they said to her, no, 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 we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters, do you notice she called them daughters? Naomi, are they blood-related to her? No, they're not. But she loves them and cares for them, and her concern is as if they were blood-related. She turned Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night, and should bear sons? You gonna wait till they grow up? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. For it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. This is the the uh, a kiss of goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Super cool word that's used there. Ruth clung to Naomi. It's the same word used in Genesis, debach in Hebrew. It's the same word used in Genesis chapter 2 when the Lord created woman and then he instituted marriage between one man and one woman. And he says the husband would leave his mom and dad and cling to his wife or hold fast to his wife or cleave to his wife. That's the word. This relationship between Ruth and Naomi is a committed, deep, bonded relationship. So hold on to that. So we see here that Naomi, it was concerned big time for the happiness and the well-being of these two daughters-in-law. In verse 8, she tells them, go back to your families, go back to the houses of your, of your mamas. And Naomi knew that she could not provide for them for the emotional need of a husband. The day's going to come where they would, they would want to find another man and get remarried. And she knew that she couldn't provide that. She told them there's no way that she could do that. And then in verses 11, 12, and 13, you see this desperate plea from Naomi for their well-being. She was way more concerned for them than she was for herself. And they were her only source of companionship. And she was ready to sacrifice That fast, just that fast, sacrifice that companionship so that they could be happy. It seems like, y'all, that's what mamas do. That's just what mamas do. They give up their stuff for their kids. Well, what stuff? Mama give up any? They give up anything for their kids. Stuff, happiness, comfort, whatever. Mamas just guess just what they do. I read a story in uh, Focus on the Family about this, true story, about, a, about the sacrificial love of a mom. And it was a story about a 36-year-old woman who was diagnosed um, in the, it, with advanced stage terminal cancer. And her, her doctor told her, you probably got six months, maybe you got a year to live. Um, but, uh, but it's not going a, 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 to be a great year. It's going to be a horrible year. He said, You got six months, maybe, of, of reasonable living. He said, Do whatever it is that makes you happy. Do, do whatever it is that brings joy to your life. Go to the mountains. Go to the beach. Do whatever you got to do for that first six months because after that, it's going to be tough. So she gets a second opinion from another daughter, and he gave her a little more hope. He said that y- you probably got a year to a year and a half with if you did. Very aggressive chemo, very aggressive radiation. Radiation every day for about sixty days, and it's not going to be good. It's going to be rough, and you're going to get sick. Um, but you may have a year, year and a half. And this woman, this thirty-six-year-old woman, pinned these words to to her kids, small children. She said, "I have chosen to sur- to try to survive for you." And she said, "This has some horrible cost, including." horrific pain, I'm going to be sick constantly. Said the the, the chemo is going to wear me out. I'm going to sleep all the time. I'm going to have a loss of my good humor. I'm going to have wild mood swings that I can't control. She said, but I must try this even on the outside chance that I live one minute longer because she said in that minute, could be the one minute that you need me when nobody else can fill the void. Y'all, that's what a mama does. I said they'd give up their own happiness for the well-being of their children. But here's the crazy thing. From the mama's perspective, she's not really sacrificing happiness because the the greatest joy for a mama is the smile on the kid's face, is it not when that kid's face lights up so it's like we call it sacrifice, but for them, you know for a stubborn self-centered man it's you're sacrificing, but for the mama it's not a sacrifice. she give it up you know a hundred times a day ten you know a thousand times on Sunday because of the look on the child's Faith, No matter the cost to herself. And then we see this, that a mama is not always superwoman. Look at verse 15. And she said, this is uh, Naomi, and she said, and now she's talking to Ruth. She said, see your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods and return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Don't urge me to leave you or or to return from following you. She said, for where you go, I'm going. For where you lodge, I'm lodging. She said, your God's going to be my God. Where you die, I'm going to die. And there I'll be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she didn't say anything else. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, The whole town had been years and years since they were there, or since Naomi was there. They came to Bethlehem. The whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So in verse 20, Naomi said to those women, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty, the Lord, has been bitter to me. That word Mara, it sounds like the word Mar, but it actually reveals something about Naomi that she was damaged, damaged by the unexpected death of Elimelech and her two sons, Malan and Killian. That word Mara in Hebrew means bitter. Means bitter. So Naomi was indeed, she was bitter inside. She didn't look bitter on the outside. You know, your mama's got a way of hiding that. But she was bitter on the inside. She was hurt and broken on the inside. But through all of that, all she thought about was helping and caring and loving those two daughters-in-law, putting their needs in front of hers. Remember I said a little while ago that she didn't... uh, at least Scripture doesn't mention one word about her grieving or even being upset by what happened to her husband and sons. She just appeared to go on with life without giving any of it a second thought. She never walked outside, at least Scripture doesn't record, screaming about why this tragedy just jumped all up in her business. So we see another great, mystery with moms. They often appear to be superwoman without a care in the world for themselves, but it's just not true. It's just not always true. There's stuff going on inside. Oliver Wendell Holmes, another writer, he said, youth fades. Love droops, the leaves of friendship fall, and but a mother's secret hope outlives them all. Mothers have needs two husbands and sons and daughters often fail to realize that or we realize it and we ignore it if you're a man and you're married raise your hand if you've ever done that those men who didn't raise their hand are just absolutely lying if you're their wife next to them pop them in the leg or something we do that you better get your hand up. We do that, y'all. I mean, I know we do it. I do it. And I know how dumb it is when I do it. But we, a lot of times, and sons and daughters do too. You know, one thing, if you, if you have a baby and you haven't, you know, you got a little bitty baby. As that little bitty baby grows, they're pretty selfish for a while. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty hollering for you and want you and need you. And so, lots of times, sons and daughters and husbands, we kind of ignore the needs that the mama has. And it's funny because oftentimes, moms suppress those feelings so as not to, quote, bother the husband or the son or the daughter. I've heard Susan say that before. And we just ignore all of those feelings. Somewhere in there is this secret strength or this, Holmes called it a secret hope. And I'm saying today that we, all of us, we need to recognize that quality uh, about our mamas and we need to take the time to find out the needs and to treat our mamas and our wives with, with tenderness and with loving care. Amen. All right, let me talk about God's sovereignty with respect to mamas. God's working all the time. God's working in Bethlehem back then. God's working in Moab back then. You remember, you may not remember verse 1 said this. It said in the days when the judges ruled. In the days when the judges ruled, that was a period that tells us when this narrative in Ruth took place. And it was a period of time between Joshua's death and Joshua was the guy who became the, the Hebrews' leader after, after Moses died. So it's from the time of Joshua's death until Saul becomes the first king in Israel. That was the days when judges ruled. And that was about 1,000 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. About a 1,000 years, which is a long time before Jesus shows up on the scene. Y'all, I'm connecting dots, so just bear with me. For years, Naomi displayed love, even the sacrificial love, of a mama to Ruth. And she did it for a while with Orpah too. Verse 14 says that Ruth clung to Naomi. Verse 16 says that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Ruth tells Naomi, for where you go, I'm going. Your people going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. So a thousand years before Christ, this Moabite woman, a pagan woman named Ruth and her loving yet bitter on the inside mother-in-law trek to Bethlehem in Judah. You with me? I'm connecting dots. I'm going to give you the next three chapters of the book of Ruth in one sentence. Through some crazy circumstances, while they're in Bethlehem, uh, Naomi and Ruth meet a godly man named Boaz. I bet y'all never knew that I could do two or three chapters in one sentence. I think Trip in the back passed out. Fast forward to chapter four. Verse 13 says, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. And then the the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has, this is the women of the town, that way back when she got there said, who is this? They say, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons. She lost two sons and a husband. And they. the text says here that this daughter-in-law is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. Now, no, in that culture, you know, that baby was born to Ruth. But in that culture, the grandmama's the mama as well, right? You you with me? What am I doing? I'm connecting dots. A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. So this boy, this baby boy, born to Ruth during the period of the judges, his name is Obed. All of this began with the sacrificial love and care and concern and strength of a mama named Naomi whose husband and two boys tragically die, and she, quote, adopts Ruth and loves her and serves her and cared for her. All right, Matthew chapter 1, first book of the New Testament. Anybody know what's in Matthew chapter 1? It's a genealogy. I'm the weird one that loves the genealogy. Verse 5. It says, And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab was a female. That was a master at stating the obvious. Rahab is in in this genealogy. Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. So Rahab is Boaz's mama. And then Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth the Moabite. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, and David, the father of Solomon. And the next 10 verses continue that genealogy from Solomon to who? Jesus. Moabite woman clings to a godly mama, and a thousand years later, the king is born. That's crazy, y'all. Like, that is crazy. He is working a plan. And the plan didn't start when, when Elimelech and, and, and Naomi and Malan and Killian crossed over and went into Moab. It started before the foundation of the world. He's working a plan and he's using everything. And he can use every event in our lives. Everything he can use. And the days are long. For a woman taking, a mama taking care of babies. But God will use that. He'll use single mama, married mama, divorced mama, been married 15 times. God will use all of that. And I, look, I'd imagine that when Naomi's husband died and she gets her sons married off, she's like, whew, sigh of relief. I, I kind of did my, my task. They're married off. But then the two sons die and she's probably ready to throw in the towel. But she mans up. She doesn't man up. She womans up. Sorry about that. She womans up. And she does what she's got to do. Y'all, men, women do what they got to do. We want to be all big like, like we do what we got to do. The ladies in our lives do what they got to do. And so you see in, this, in, in her life, you see these major mama character traits. And you see God in his sovereignty work through her kindness and her compassion and her love and her toughness and her loyalty and her stick and, yes, even the bitterness that she had. He works through all of that to bring the king of kings to the stage of history. It's unbelievable the way God uses all that stuff. If she hadn't been a mama to Ruth, like, I don't know. Again, mama's the days are long. But man, don't you forget the years are short. But the days are long. But Romans 8:28 is a promise. It is an absolute promise. What's Romans 8:28? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things. All things. Good, bad, pleasant unpleasant bitterness joy trekking from bethlehem to moab losing two sons and a husband god is working in your lives god is working in the lives of your children if you have children he's going to be working in the lives if you if you have if you're going to have children he's working in their lives already he's working in your life whether they're they're biologically your child or whether you are struggling with fertility, and you adopt a child. What does Scripture say about adoption? The Gentiles are grafted in to the family of God. And do you know that adoption, in, 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 in biblically and legally, they're an heir. The perfect example is Gentiles are grafted into the kingdom as heirs of the king. So whether you end up, you don't have any children, but you end up adopting A child, whatever. God is weaving a story. He is weaving a story. And the story He's weaving in your life is not, yes, it's for you to some degree, but it's for somebody else. And lots of times you don't ever see the fruit of that. But you trust that God is sovereign and He's working. And He's going to leverage that story. He leveraged, think about it, He leveraged Naomi's pain to bring the Messiah to the stage of history. All those things, the pain and sacrifice and tragedy and blessings and good times and tough times, they're all mixed up in the pot together for good, for believers. Y'all, that promise in Romans 8, 28 is for believers. That promise is not for unbelievers. Don't let anybody tell you, well, God works all things together for good. No, for those who are called according to His purpose and those that love Him. Good mamas, good mamas tend to, tend to result in good, ultimately, sons and daughters. Napoleon, never thought I'd quote Napoleon. Napoleon said, let France have good mothers, and she will have good sons and daughters. And I'm going to tell you what, the greatest gift, mama, that you can give your child is the gospel the greatest gift that you can give your child is jesus naomi modeled christ's love a thousand years before he was born talk to your kids get off the cell phone for five minutes and talk to your kids you're walking your kid in the neighborhood down in the stroller stop texting and talk to them share Jesus with them model his love his sacrificial love for them tell them about him y'all tell him about tell him about him and I said a minute ago that Romans 8 28 is a promise for believers and I'm telling you and this sounds harsh if you're not a believer that promise is not for you that can change today it can change today simple repent turn away from the sin turn towards the lord believe that he died on that cross and that and that took care of that penalty and he walked out of the grave alive three days later simple and y'all if you are a believer today and you're a guy the kindness game with your wife up the kindness game with your mama lead your children into uh, into being more compassionate with mom again if you don't know him today y'all just pray this with me Lord let today be the day that I say yes to the offer. Lord, today's a day that I turn away from my sin and I turn toward you. Lord, I believe that you died on that cross, satisfies the justness of God. Lord, the, the sin had to be paid for and you took care of it. And Lord, I believe you walked out of the grave alive, provided eternal life for me. And so, Lord, I beg you to save me right now. In Jesus' name amen listen y'all if that was you our prayer team will be back in the back they would love to talk to you I would love to talk to you and I would tell you right now as we sing this last song and worship the Lord this altar is available to come pray whatever you're praying about come pray if something's burdening you today leave it at the cross whatever it may be turn it back over to y'all